Hello everyone and welcome down to episode number 16 of the Down South Photo Show with me, Brendan Waits, and my good mate down in Tasmania, Cam Blake. Good evening, Cameron. Good evening, Brendan, Mr. Champion of the AFL. Um, you are looking a lot more sober than I expected. <laughs> well, if you know, we, we left the recording of the podcast to Thursday night for a reason, I think. Um, yeah, think it's been a good reason. It's been a big, big, big week. Um, for those of you who couldn't give a toss about AFL or sports or footy or anything like that, uh, I'm going to put a little demon logo on the on the screen here. I'm going to talk about football until that demon logo logo disappears. So if you scroll forward on YouTube and that's gone, that's, that's where idea. it ended. So that's a great idea. So this usually yeah. goes for about an hour. So just scroll through for about 59 <laughs> minutes, and we'll do the rest in a minute. Ah, <laughs> uh, look, mate. Um, I, I I was the happiest man on the planet. I think on on Saturday night it was absolutely fan bloody tastic. Yeah. Um, in some ways, not being able to be there. Yeah, it was bittersweet and it was a bit gut-wrenching that it wasn't at the MCG, but yeah. I think it, it, in its own way it made the night even a little bit more special because we were able to just be together as a family. We're all demons in my house, yeah. all four of us, so we all, yeah. we're all together and uh, watched the game and you know, when that final siren went, it was... Uh, there was a flood water, of emotions, water, I, I can tell you. Would have been, been Waterworks City, I reckon. Down in Ocean well, Road. it was actually it was actually because the game was sewn up, um, yeah, true. yeah, with probably 10, 15 minutes to go. Uh, that's when it, it hit me. And and you know, for those of you who don't know, Melbourne haven't won a premiership. You've been living under a rock and don't know. Melbourne haven't won a premiership <laughs> for fifty-seven years. I'm forty-nine in January, so uh, never for, seen a win never seen in my entire life and and there was times through that period where you questioned am i ever going to see it like have i just hitched my wagon to this this mob that are just not going to deliver for me after seeing all my friends and i mean all my friends everyone all their teams win flags and in your case multiple flags and yeah you know i've got a lot of essendon supporter friends who who, who saw a lot of flags and um you know collingwood supporter friends and and, and all these teams and and, and richmond and and yeah. the Western Bulldogs uh, in years gone past, and even, even always Sydney, even South Melbourne, Sydney Swans, all of that, yeah. And, yeah. and 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 it was just like this is not going to this is this is not going to happen for me, you know, or, or for us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, for for it to happen, and and to for it to happen the way it did, all, all we wanted was a premiership. But they they, by uh, oh goodness, they they rammed it down our necks. It was so good. It was think, just so um, good. It was it was really good. I watched the game. I'm a footy lover, and and I you know absolutely wrapped for yourself and all the other Melbourne supporters. And based on the year Melbourne's eighteen months, the year Melbourne's had over the last two years, something had to give for Melbourne. They had to get something. Um, but I actually thought, you know, it was it was actually really well received by the Demon supporters and by everyone else. Like sometimes there's a team that wins, and you know they might have won for a long time, but everyone just goes, oh, here we go. They're out of the woodwork. Here they go. But, <laughs> The Melbourne supporters, I must admit, like I know a few of them, um, very, very happy in, in, in their win, but not going overboard and not being yeah. silly. And uh, even yeah. even the players themselves just seem to be quite humbled by the the occasion. So well, it, was, think, it, was, think, it was refreshing. Yeah, I think a lot of that is linked to, you know, the, they always say the, the culture at the club has changed a lot. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, um, having people like Simon Goodwin, Mark Williams, um, Adam Uze, these guys in the coaching box yeah. have really sort of settled the group a lot. But I think 
the probably the main driver was a sense of shock in the way that they won it. That yeah, you know, to to be able to kick one hundred points to seven in forty five minutes of football in a grand yeah. final when they were goals down, to one, wasn't it? Sixteen goals to one when they were yeah. down by by nineteen points. Um, yeah. That there was a sense of shock to it, and I think that sort of. Everyone was, you could feel like they were so over the moon, but there was also a sense of what have we just done? Like, yeah, yeah. That, that was, it was, it was historic what they did. So it was yeah. very, very cool. Um, and yeah, no, we're, we're, we're absolutely over the moon, as I say. And, and yeah. just, yeah, have, I've lost a lot of sleep over the last few nights. Oh, I lost a lot of sleep leading up to the grand final. And for other reasons, I've lost sleep after it. So I'm yeah. a bit, 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 uh, bit fuzzy, bit bleary eyed, but, uh, but yeah. well worth it all. And this is, yeah tea in this case well i'm actually celebrating with a bogues red for you everything's red today thanks we're, mate we're the demons nice. um yeah that's great it's awesome to see um they win and they won they won quite quite comprehensively in the end and they yeah. did it easy so yeah um i think you need to do a little bit of a shout out to a good mate of ours don't we absolutely to say good day to um, our great yeah mate. so um, so cam and i've got a mutual friend bevo who lives over in perth and he's uh Nice one, Bev. He he works for radio station six PR over there in Perth. And as soon as Melbourne made the uh, made the grand final, and he knew he had a media pass for the game, he said, "Send me your jumper." Um, so, look, it's a really long story, but I'll keep it brief. I've got a Melbourne Football Club jumper, which is not this one because my jumper is on its way back from Perth now. Uh, that's been uh, around the world with me, all my travels, everywhere I've gone. Um, it's it's been to a couple it's of British been, Opens. It's been it's, to St Andrews, hasn't it? Uh, no, not St Andrews. It's been to Royal Troon and been to yeah, right. the, and That's Royal right. Portrush in Northern I mean, Ireland. I but don't don't worry, <laughs> don't worry. In five years' time, it's going to St Andrews. We've already looked ahead. <laughs> um, we're hoping to get there next year, but that's not going to happen. Uh, so we've got to wait yeah. another five years for that. Um, and it's been to a couple of Cricket World Cups. Um, yeah. <clears throat> anyway. Around two, three hundred games at the MCG, probably over the time that I've had that jumper for twenty years. Uh, it was once signed by Neil Danaher as well. Yeah. But yeah. the moron that I am, I kept wearing it and wearing it and wearing it, and over time, his little autograph wore off. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I sent I sent that that jumper over to Bev as a good luck charm. He's a card carrying Carlton member as well. So I mean, yeah. kudos to him for doing that for me. And not only did he wear it during his media commitments um, that he was doing, and he, I think he uh, does a bit of engineering and stuff. He's not a he's not he's not talent as they call it. He's not he's not a personality, but he's a no no. He's a he's a guru he, of uh, radio. He is he is to me now because he had that jumper on in the rooms. <laughs> Yeah. Um, he FaceTimed me and and my wife and the kids uh, from the rooms. And we got a shout out from Angus Brayshaw and James Harms, which was, yeah. I mean, my God. If, and and, there, and again, if the if it was at the MCG, none of this would have happened. Yeah. Um, sure. But then the cheeky bugger went and got three autographs on it: Max Gorn, Christian Petrarca, and Simon Goodwin. So yeah. we got the Holy Trinity signed on that jumper, and um, along with a few others, I think Gary Lyon managed to sign it, and oh, yeah, um, cool. yeah. Shane, Shane Woe Woden was in the house, the Brownlow yeah. medalist. So. And that was the jumper that Wowoden. That was that era jumper that Wowoden yeah, yeah, wore yeah. in the two, in two thousand. So uh, yeah, awesome. Absolutely bizarre. Absolutely, yeah. I haven't got it back yet. And um, yeah. one one uh, thing he did for me as well. He went out onto the ground that you can see in the photo behind me, scooped up a bit of the confetti, chucked it in with the jumper as well. So, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, good, you know, it's 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 just he's a, he's a good lad. He's a good lad. 
bit. Yeah, very, very good. Um, just, just, I, don't, just don't mention Carlton. He gets, well, he gets a bit, bit narky about I've, that. I've already, <laughs> I've already told him that his Carlton membership next year is on me So yeah, uh, for, yeah. for what he's done for us. So yeah, absolutely yeah. awesome. Okay, that's enough footy talk. Thank you, everyone, uh, for your messages and stuff. And I know yeah. a few people were very logo happy dis- for Logo disappears now. So, welcome to episode 16 of the Down South Photo Show. Um, thank you again for subscribing, everyone, and joining us here on the podcast. Um, we are creeping ever closer to the 200 uh, subscriber I'm, mark. I'm just checking now. I haven't looked, actually. Let's have no, a... no, I don't don't know that we've oh, um, had a one, lot of growth. 191. Everyone's been watching the footy. That's the problem. That's true. So, mm. uh, if you like what you're hearing, like, share, tell people to come and listen. That would be awesome. We greatly appreciated. It sort of spreads yeah. the word and encourages us to deliver more of this stuff and nonsense. Um, <laughs> So um, tonight's episode, we're going to be talking a bit about a new venture that Cam's going into mm. down in Tasmania. So we'll come yeah. to that. We're going to talk about how he's getting on with that and how he's going about it, which will be very, very cool. And I'll share a few stories along the way as well. Um, we don't have a dear Cam story, a dear Cam question, but we do have a uh, camera horror story or a photography horror story that we'll share with yeah. you as part of our new uh, horror photographic horror stories segment yeah. yeah we need we need a theme song for that we need some like adam's family music or something we we need a we i'll i'll come up with an intro do you reckon probably not <laughs> hey it's the year of miracles everything's happening this year for you so maybe you might be able to put a jingle together well, that's exactly right yeah. um do i need to put the logo back up no. Oh, no, no, it's gone. Okay. No, no. It's, it's the logo, gone. Okay. you can wait another 57 actually going back quickly to footy my my prediction let's put on episode 16 you win back to back. Moving on. Oh, look! You've been so good on the hard jinx all year. I have. Um, Jeez, that jinx paid out on the grand final. That was an absolute beauty, an absolute <laughs> dolly. Yeah, that was I a like good one. Anyway, back to yeah, the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Cam, you you sent me a very yeah. exciting little video clip this morning uh, of your new gallery space down in Richmond, Tasmania. Care to elaborate, my friend? Okay, I can elaborate. Like I mentioned last week, a uh, bit of a. A bit of an opening happening, a bit of a, a new venture. Uh, myself and another photographer, Luke O'Brien, who is located here in Hobart as well. Um, he has a Luke has a stall at Salamanca Market uh, most Saturdays, so most people probably would have seen him if you've been to the market. He's been there for years. Um, so we got approached by a gentleman who owns a um, a business out in Richmond, uh, like a arts and crafty sort of business. They do um, beautiful candles and knitworks and all these kind of different arty craft things um, out in Richmond called Richmond Botanical Company. Um, they've got this beautiful space out the back, which is part of this old historic stables of the house. Um, so for those that don't know, Richmond's um, a little bit different to Richmond in Melbourne. It's, it's a really old historic sort of colonial little township um, and everything's sandstone brick. It's just beautiful. So we got approached by uh, Mark and he wants to put a gallery in the back, in the second section of this stables behind the shop. Uh, we said, yeah, absolutely. So we've been there, we've been framing, we've been getting prints ready, uh, we've been getting all the, the framing, hanging rails all sorted out, we've been getting our books and calendars and postcards ready. So pretty much um, we're hoping next weekend, which will be the 8th and 9th of October, or 9th to 10th of October, we're going to do a bit of a soft opening. There's a few little behind-the-scenes tick-off things we have to wait for before we can officially open it and then do a bit of an open day. Uh, but we're going to open it softly, uh, next weekend, which will be the 9th and 10th. And if people are watching uh, the BFOP Pride Festival, um, the Sunday afternoon, I'm hoping to do a live, my live cross or live Zoom 
uh, for the closing uh, feature of the, of the festival from inside the gallery. Uh, so if you want to get a sneak peek or you're obviously not able to get down here, uh, feel free to tune in. But super exciting. It's an amazingly beautiful spot. It's got this beautiful garden out the back. Um, it was funny today when I was talking to you and sending you videos and I was making up these little crates to put stuff in. And at the back, I could hear these chickens going off. Like it's, it's like all it's like all these beautiful there's these beautiful old dogs that live there they've got these beautiful cherry blossoms in the garden and it's just these old stables the big stable doors open up so we're really really excited um we've both got some beautiful work hanging up in there everything from you know eight by twelve up to you know big depending on what size you want to go um we'll be able to deliver anywhere in tasmania uh, if you want to buy a big print we'll drop it to your door uh, and Australia-wide, we'll be able to sell prints and books and, and things like that. So super exciting. Um, <clears throat> never thought I'd own, or not own a gallery, but never thought I'd be involved with a gallery where it's just myself and one other person. So super, super chaffed. And uh, I know you had your own sort of little stall at markets for a long time, and I think you did run a gallery for a while, did you as well? Or Yeah, I've, um, I've run a couple of, couple of gallery spaces over the yeah. journey, um, and, and it is really, really cool to be able to set up a gallery and have all your work on display, fully mm. framed, looking really pro, um, yeah. with, with good lighting and all that sort of stuff. It, and uh, it, it's a really cool experience, a very rewarding experience when you see all your work like that finally, because you're not, mm. you're not just you know, delving through hard drives or looking on a computer yeah, screen right. anymore. You can see your work... Uh, dare I say it, the way it was intended, and that is, yeah. um, you know, yeah, on, a, on a wall, printed, framed, and on a wall. So, yeah. super excited for you, man. And I've seen the, um, well, as I said, as we've been saying, you sent me a sneak preview, a couple of photos yeah. of the internals and the video and stuff. Yeah. You've got these beautiful brick walls in there, which yeah. are, you know, fantastic. Just what a godsend for what you're doing. And then the, you know, the contrast of the framing, the glass, and then the, then your gorgeous yeah. prints are absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, we've um, um, we've hit we've hit the jackpot with this space, and like even take all the paint, take all the pictures down, and have the bare walls. It's just it's just this old historic, you know, stables that has been. It's got a bar in there as well, which is awesome, um, which has all been decked out. It's um. Yeah, without even without the images, it's just a beautiful we, um, space. So. Are, we, are we talking a licensed venue here, Cameron? Uh, I can't give too much away in Ooh. regards to what's going on. Okay. Um, so not really, not really in relation to what we're doing with the gallery. But Mark, the owner, has got some other ideas that he's yep. he's, he's throwing out there. Uh, cool. Which so it might become a bit of a. It'll be it'll always be a gallery, but it might also incorporate some other types of spaces and things like that. Um, his wife, who runs the the craft shop next door. Um, I've actually got one behind me here. I've got this hue and pine candle burning behind me. It smells incredibly nice in my house at the moment. Nice. Um, but she might she might run little workshops on how to make candles and uh, you know knittings and scarves and all that kind of stuff. We're we're also going to be running photography workshops out of there um, and Lightroom and, and Photoshop editing uh, workshops and all those kind of things out of there. So it'll be become a bit of a my my vision for it or our vision for it is, is we really love it to be a hub a photography hub in the Hobart area where photographers can come out. It's got this beautiful courtyard in the garden. You know, you can come out on a Sunday afternoon, bring your family out, come and have a look at some photos, chill out, have a chat, you know, explore Richmond and, and you know, really just have a good afternoon, really. So for those of us who are not familiar with Richmond, how far right. out of Hobart are we talking here? Uh, we're talking, you know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes tops from the heart of Hobart. Yeah. Um, it's like I said, it's a very, very popular tourist town. It's got Australia's oldest bridge. Uh, one of the oldest jails, um, and the whole town is just sandstone buildings. It's it's really really impressive. So, um, and I think personally, I think we've hit the jackpot with this space. Um, 
Well, you know, it's not really it's not really about selling all the prints off the wall. It's about having, like you said, having that space and being able to have your, your work displayed. Uh, we've got access to go in and out whenever we need to. And, um, yeah, myself and Luke will be sort of being there on the weekends. We'll probably spend a few hours over lunchtime so people can come out and chat to the artist and um, hear the stories behind, you know, how the photos were made and where they were taken and, well, I think I think that's a massive plus is for for people. I mean, whether you're into your photography or whether you're you're a tourist who who, who wants a nice uh, a nice image, a nice keepsake of Tasmania, being able to tap into the photographers' minds is really really cool. People love doing that. Um, yeah. I know people, you know, you know, for for what it's worth, people get a bit of a kick out of when I say, to, "Oh no, this is all my own photography." It sort of changes yeah. their changes their uh, attitude a little bit towards yeah. Because they walk in with my stuff and go, this is shit. And then they, oh, you're the photographer. Oh, this is wonderful. Oh, Brilliant. Awesome, yeah. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah, I'll have yeah. that one. Thanks. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Well, like, I've, I've always been envious of um, walking into your shop when, you know, you got all your, you know, all your big prints and canvases and prints on the wall. I'm like, oh, I'd love a space like this. And I, I never thought I'd get there. And um, like I said, this opportunity has just presented itself. Mark's a, a really lovely guy and super generous with giving us this space. He's a, a bit of a photographer in his own right. He's learning the craft and studying a bit about photography. So he, he seems he, he seems to think he's going to get as much out of us being there as us being there. So um, yeah. he'll be able to rack our brains and sit in on any workshop he likes and things like that. So, yeah, we're really, really excited. Um, and like you said, it's just that whole process of shooting, editing, printing and framing, um, you know, just to see your work hanging up on the wall. It, it does. It takes it to a different level. And to me, I think it's, you know, for people that are listening, it, it really should be something that people strive for. You know, even if it's just for your own house, you know, get a really nice photo, take your time, you know, take the editing seriously, go get it framed properly. And, you know, it is, it's a piece of art, you know, that you've created. So, you know, it's something to put yeah. in, in the living room. Well, I've always lived by the mantra of it's not a photograph until it's printed. So, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Whether or not that's going to be the, the way forward, you know, the way things are changing, it probably isn't. But, um, yeah. Well, no, we are. I, I definitely love it. I love seeing them all framed up. Um, yeah. Yeah. You go ahead. The, I've got a couple of questions uh, for yeah. you, but you go ahead. I was just going to say on the on the wall as well. We've actually got one of these Samsung TV frames. Yep. Uh, so a few people might know what they are, but uh, we clicked that on yesterday and scrolled through some some images that we had on a USB, and like even them on the wall look damn good. Like they look like a frame with. Um, with pictures in them, so yeah. you know maybe going forward that is the way. Maybe it is a digital frame of sorts, um, but yeah, I think the main thing is try get try and get your work on display if you can, uh, even if it's your local little arty craft market or you know your community service hall or you know there's all these little businesses around town that are looking for things to hang on their wall. You know, if you've got work, go ask them if they want it. Yeah, the, there's no. um, the, you know you go to a lot of um, smaller country towns around the place, and there's always. The, uh, the coffee shop that's got some yeah. local photography there, which I love seeing. And I always stop and look at it. And I always, yeah. you know, yeah. I really enjoy seeing that sort of stuff. So um, or that's that's a good good thing to strive for with your photography. So you've been taking photos in Tasmania for quite some time, Cam. Yeah. And this gallery is all Tasmanian photography, right? Yes, it is, yeah. So the burning question is, how on earth did you choose what to print and frame and what to put up? And was it hard? Uh, yeah, um, and it's a dilemma I've never had before. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, and I've got to I've got to do a similar thing. I'm also exhibiting at the Cradle Mountain Hotel or the Wilderness Gallery at Cradle Mountain from November through to March. And I think I said it last week. I've gone from never exhibiting my work to all of a sudden I've got all these opportunities to put my work on the wall. So, um, but yeah, it was tricky. Um, 
we sort of had a bit, Luke and I had a bit of a chat and like had a look at what sort of work he wanted to put up and what I wanted to put up. He He's probably more of a coastal photographer in a way. Luke does some amazing, beautiful coastal work. Uh, and he also does some really cool fungi and aurora shots and things like that, uh, where I'm a bit sort of more wilderness and, you know, mountains and rivers and, and lakes and things like that. So um, it wasn't easy, um, but I thought it got down to the point really like, well, let, let's just put some, some of the stuff I like on the wall, you know, a bit of Cradle Mountain, a bit of the Tarkine region, a bit of a spread of where I go. And then, you know, from there, let's just see if they move off the wall, if they don't move off the wall. Um, but as Luke said to me the other day, he said one of the major benefits he sees out of having this gallery, and he's run galleries before, um, it gives him a purpose now to go out and shoot. So he says, you know, if I'm going out now, I can look at that and go, hey, that'd be great on the gallery wall. I'm going to go out and shoot X, Y, or Z locations and, and see what I get. So I, I sort of took that on board as well. So now when I'm out shooting, it's not necessarily shooting for my own enjoyment or, you know, for capturing a region or to maybe sell a print online. It's to where can I put that in the gallery? That might look really good in that corner or that size and stuff like that. So Yeah, and yeah, I guess I guess you would also have a look at it and say, Well, what don't we have? Like what area exactly, do we need yeah. do we need to improve on? Do we need some from this spot, that spot, and yeah, all around? So exactly. but I'm assuming I uh, how long um Sorry, what was the other gentleman's name of your work? Uh, Luke, Luke O'Brien. How long has Luke been shooting in Tassie? For? Oh, he's been he's been in Tassie about fifteen years, I think. Yep. Uh, so he he's got an amazing catalogue of images as well. He's got um, probably more than I have, I imagine, um, on his catalogue. So uh, between the two of us, we can re- I think we can cover almost every square inch of Tasmania, pretty much. <laughs> um, so yeah, at the moment we've got, uh, like I said, we've got some. Cradle Mountain stuff. We've got some East Coast. We've got some West Coast. We've got some um, some South Region. We've got some Aurora stuff, uh, and then we'll have also like eight by twelve mounted, unframed, which people can flick through. We're also going to get some uh, sort of cheaper posters, you know, like the old sort of movie posters, yep. or the old Peter Dombrowski's posters and things like that. We're going to make up some of those so people can take them away with them, yep. um, which will give us a bit more, I guess, a bit more flexibility on what what we put in there. We can put a lot more different locations and shots in there and. And then keep the killer shots for the wall, I guess. Yeah, so people will be able to grab a poster and a tube, that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you're gonna, you're exactly. gonna, you know, hopefully get a lot of tourists there. So people are gonna want to mm. travel with this stuff. So a poster and a tube would be the way to yeah, go. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Uh, so the other question I've got for you, um, and I get asked this a lot, so this is why I'm asking you: um, Have you considered the limited edition route? Um, it, it's a question that I get asked quite a bit, um, and. I suppose more when I was back doing markets, but also now when I've got the the two the two gallery spaces. Yeah. Every now and then someone will say, "Oh, is this a one-off, or is this yeah. a limited Can edition?" <laughs> and my my smart-ass answer is yes, that's limited. It's limited to how many I can sell, um, yeah. normally. But it's 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 always a tricky one, isn't it? Because yeah. you you know, can a photograph actually be limited edition? Yeah. I mean, it is yeah. if you say it is, I suppose, but because of yeah. because of the very nature of a photograph and how easy they are to reproduce, yeah, is it actually limited edition? So, what, what's your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, we, we've spoken about that as well, and and I had a um, <clears throat> probably one of the most in depth photography conversations I've had over the last five years, and this is going to surprise a lot of people outside of our podcast, of course. Outside of before, well before our podcast, <laughs> this is in 
<laughs> this is back in 2019, and this is going to probably shock people that the person I had this in-depth conversation with is going to shock people. Um, but I've mentioned Tom Putt a few times, so a lot of people know who Tom is, landscape yep. guy from yep. the other side of the bay from you. And we're at the, uh, the very first BFOP uh, festival, the Bright Festival I attended was in Bright. And I'd met Tom maybe once or twice very briefly, didn't really know him that well. And we finished the festival, we had a few laughs, we had a few drinks, we're all sitting around this fire where all the presenters had a bit of an after party. And we just started talking about stuff and we both sort of came to the same conclusion at the same time about our photography is, well, what's it all for? Like, why are we doing this? Why are we taking all these photos? Why are we traveling everywhere? Why are we putting ourselves, and why are we putting out stress on ourselves to go get all these images and stuff like that? And we had this really, really in-depth talk. It's probably, it was probably the alcohol talking more than anything, but about the whole idea of like, we take all these beautiful photos, or, you know, semi, you know, whatever you think, beautiful or not beautiful, but we take all these photos, but what, like, they all sit on hard drives, what are they for? And it, it got us talking down the, you know, they need to be framed, as we've spoken a bit, like, really, you should be shooting to frame it. It's, it's not a picture until it's been printed, as you say. And then from there, we got to talking about, you know, you know, once we all got, we're all dead and gone, you know, 100 years from now, all these photos that we take have taken of all these beautiful spots, are they just going to be nothing? Like, are they going to, you know, you look at some of these amazing photographers in the past, this historic, you know, the Ansel Adams and the Peter Dombrowski's and all, all the amazing photographers, and their work is still circulating. But because photography is such a, a massive thing these days, to stand out of that crowd or to be, you know, put on a pedestal in your peers and then, you know, remembered for years and years after is, is a long stretch for most of us, if, if not all of us. So we sort of got talking about what's this whole legacy about and that then put us on to, you know, well, maybe our images should be one-offs all the time. Maybe they should be just limited editions every shot. One shot, one print, that's it. And we had this really, like I said, by the time we got to that point, we well and truly into the beers by then. Um, <laughs> so getting back to your question about limited edition ones, I I sort of frown a bit at the limited edition because it's become like so much of a cliche these days. Like this is a limited edition one-off. Yeah. To me, I don't think you can do limited editions until you've got a, stat, a status in the, in the photography community that you are, you know, like the Peter Eastways and things like that. Yeah, they can, you know, they can definitely do limited editions. For, for plebs like me, maybe not, but um, I do think some photos, I, I'm sort of pushing back to that idea that, you know, maybe it is going forward, maybe for the gallery, they are all one-offs. That, you know, you print them, you frame them, they're yours. So you've got you've got a piece of Cam Blake or you've got a piece of Luke O'Brien and you know that that's a one-off. So yeah. whether, or not, whether or not that holds any value now, but it might 50 years or 100 years down yeah. the track so and it's this, still hanging on a wall. It's a very, it's a very um, good way of looking at it. It's a very different way of looking at it because from a photographer's perspective, and I suppose you know, it's got to be looking, looked at from a, a commercial point of view and mm. the idea of making a limited edition is that you can sell them <clears throat> for more um, yeah. you know, from, from the purely commercial point of view. I rarely look at it from the buyer's perspective point of view insofar as the feeling they're going to get of having one of 10 or one of 50 yeah. or one of 100 prints and yeah. and I think you make a very valid point that you've got to you've got to have a fair bit of stature about you like you've almost got to be a household name yeah now, well, now, Ken, Ken Duncan's a classic well see <clears throat> see he, he the, to me in Australia as far as household name photographers go yeah Ken Duncan would be number one g'day Ken I know you're watching he does. He loves the show. He's all about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steve Parrish would be would be yeah. 
probably a pretty close second, and that and that's more to do with the the work he did through the through the nineties, where he yeah. he went into any Australia Post office, and it was all Steve Parrish's work. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, and and he was a trailblazer. I mean. You know, as much as a lot of people didn't like his work, and there was a lot of jealousy there because he he yeah. went out there and he got his gear. Same with Ken Duncan. I mean, yeah. sure, you could buy a Ken Duncan panograph in Kmart for eighty nine dollars fully framed, but then again, you could buy one of his limited edition prints in his gallery for ten fifteen grand. So yeah. Yeah. You know, so he, you're right. He had the runs on the board and the, and the credits in the back to be able to do that. So for a guy like myself or you or, or, or uh, you know, back 20 years ago when I started doing markets, for me to be able to go to a market store, I literally have the back of my ute and say that this is a limited edition print. I mean, that's, that's laughable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, um, and yeah, I think that to me it's, and again, this is where everything, and this is where I, I sort of try and pride myself on being a very passionate photographer, but also a very traditional photographer in the way that, that to me, it's not about commercial um, like to me, selling a print is not necessarily to me about how much you make on that print. To me, that's that that's the sugar on top. To me, the the reward is that someone actually gives enough shits to buy a bit of my work mm. and hang it on and feel that it's lovely enough to put in their personal home on a wall. Like that that's the reward to me. And it sounds corny, and people might say, oh, you, you know, you're just blowing wind up as here, but but it is like the money on top of that is is like I said, that's just the cream on the top. So. Yeah, and I think what what's happened as well is there's so many photographers out there that have just gone, oh, limited edition one of ten. Like you said, I'll crank the price up, or every time I sell one, they get more expensive. And really, if you if you pull the layers off that, that is purely just a money money making exercise. Which yes, that's what business is all about making money. But to me, if you're passionate and you know true to your morals about being a photographer. Um, the price tag should be the last of your concerns. If it, yeah, and that, yeah. That, and I think where, limit, yeah. limited editions are almost you know cart before the horse sort of stuff. Um, yeah, they are. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> really. I mean, if you want to be, if you want to do a limited edition, like you say, make one, yeah. and that's it. And and that's it. But then, of course, the question comes: Well, how do you? How do I know that that's one of one? And you know, the only really way yeah. you can do that is to destroy the file on video or something i don't know yeah. like, like yeah. it's not well, just a sort of certificate of authenticity I'm, they're not worth the paper yeah. they're printed on these days um no, that's right you know it, it's more more a matter of okay this is or, or shoot film and give them the negative i don't, I don't know yeah well we i thought I'd, we we had that discussion as well luke and i the other day and um and i i got to the point where you know you could package it up there, there's there's your frame print there's there's the usb with the file Yep. it's now the file is now yours. Yep. Um, and to me, I think if someone walked out of a gallery or out of a shop and had this nice, beautiful framed image and went, "I'm the only person in the world that's ever got this," they're then investing in in well, what they're sort of investing in you becoming a bit more famous as you get older. Yeah. Um, and they're also investing in your passion and, and your artwork. Um, and to me, like like I look at my Lightroom catalog, I've got you know four or five hundred thousand shots of Tasmania. Hmm. Like, you know, and out of that, I've got a little folder in my Lightroom thing, like the five star shots that I like to, you know, the ones that are good shots. I've got two and a half thousand in that folder. Hmm. So, you know, if, if one or two of them go and go for good, it'd be, it'd be almost like, I don't know, it'd be like selling the rights to a song or something like that, wouldn't it? That, you know, you've hmm. made this song, you've put it together, now you've given it to someone else, you know, to, to make the money from or perform it. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's your artwork. You can give it to someone and you can give it to them completely. At a, at a premium price or you can give it to them as you know here's a, here's a, a general run of the mill one 
for a lesser price. But the big question is, is what do you sell it for? And this, so this is, this is, I get asked this all the time and, 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 mm. and it, I was sort of leading down that path as well uh, for the podcast mm. tonight. It's so hard to put a price on things because, you know, uh, the commercial realities of what I do is I've got to pay the rent, I've got to pay staff, mm. there are overheads involved, there's the cost of production, there's the cost of my equipment, there's the cost of my time, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, you know, the, I get this comment a lot in my shop and that is, oh, wow, you, you're too cheap. Like, you, yeah. you're, pri- you're, you're really well priced. And of course, again, smart ass me. Oh, how many would you like? Is the general? Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. they back they back off pretty quick then. But it's it's normal. It, it, it's it's the old thing. I can I can sell one piece for five grand, or I can sell thirty pieces for you know five hundred bucks. So yeah, you know, it, and that's the way you got to weigh it up. And and for me, it's all about turnover and, and turning the images over, having new photos for people to look at constantly so yeah um you know i know my ocean grove shop i've got a spot for a couple of big canvas prints which is currently yeah. bare because I, I literally can't get the materials at the moment to make them yeah, so okay. um yeah. but they, they turn over at about 500 bucks a pop for a meter and a half by a meter canvas um yeah you know and i like to see them sell because it refreshes me and it, and it, you know I'm, i like producing new images all the time so yeah yeah but you know a meter and a half by a meter canvas i've seen in some galleries like and photographic galleries i'm talking about here for two and a half three thousand dollars yeah and it's like how did how (laughs) well i think i think it also goes i find that with um i think we all do it but i don't think we mean to do it in in regards to us selling our photography knowledge or print or whatever it might be i think what we do though we actually slot ourselves into a certain price bracket bracket or a certain level of you know in society of what people can afford us mm. so I, I like i'm the same i know photographers who will sell pieces of work for five ten you know even more thousand dollars and they might sell one a year or something like that but it'll be sold to someone who has a lot of money in a big house who needs a bit of wall field so i think I think it depends on the individual where you're trying to slot yourself into that price range. The same with workshops. I, I always get told by, you know, other photographers like, "Geez, your workshops are cheap. I'd be charging twice as much as that." I'm like, "Well, I don't. I, I, I what I make out of them, I'm happy with. I'm comfortable with what money I make out of it. If I start charging more and making them more exotic, there's a lot more stresses on me when I'm running that workshop. If things go wrong, there's a higher expectation. Again, people are slotting themselves at different sort of levels of. Of yeah. wealth, and, and, and this is where you and I are at, at, at a wee bit of an advantage because we've been doing it for a while. So we've we've mm. worked out that, as you say, that slot that the we hierarchy. fit into yeah. that that exact amount where they things keep selling, um, yeah. you know, but 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 they're still relatively affordable for the for the masses. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah it, it's an age old question, and and seriously, I, I would get probably an email every couple of months from some up and coming photographer and and yeah. I've, I encourage it. I mean, people send me these emails, normally younger people who, oh, look, I've, I've got a website and I wanna start selling my photos. How much yeah. should I sell them for? You know, my, yeah. first, my first response is, that's awesome. Go for it, yeah. do it. My second response is, that's something you're gonna have to find out for yourself. Yeah. You know, because you, it's you way more rewarding if you work it out for yourself. I'll tell you something not to do to other photographers if you email them. I got one of these a few months ago. Where I had a photographer email me wanting practically my business model on how I run, <laughs> on how I run workshops, um, how yep. much profit I make, how yeah. I how much it costs yeah. me. Yeah, just um, just hand you know, hand over all your IP, please, for free. Yeah, I just want it. Pretty yeah. pretty much like uh, itinerary every day. I'm thinking I'm doing the same thing. I've just got into photography. I reckon. <laughs> in, I, I reckon. 
I reckon I can run workshops. How much do you charge? Not, not in Tasmania, surely. I won't say any more. Oh, no. Um, and it's just like, okay. And whether or not it was just them being a bit naive or oh, I'm not too sure. No. Um, you'd, have to, you'd have to give them that and say, well, look, they're just yeah. being naive. Then, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so don't, don't send emails to photographers about that because you... Yeah. We'll be nice when we reply, but you probably won't want to hear what we say when we get the email or message or whatever. But yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Think, um, and going going a little back before that as well. I mean, people that do markets now. I started yeah. at the markets. Um, I used to love doing the markets. I really did. Uh, I know you did one with me once, Cam, and we. Mm. You know, it's fun. You get to talk to people. You get to sell a bit of stuff. You have a coffee. You read the paper. You, you have a chat with people about your photography. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. There was a couple of things I hated about it. One was all the markets I did were always outdoor and the, you were the weather. weather dependent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Some of this talk about photographic horror stories. Some of the markets yeah. I did in, <laughs> you know, gusty winds and rain and God knows what else. So yeah. that's probably a podcast for another day. But um, I, I spoke to a very, very famous photographer one day. Uh, I was over in New Zealand and I was, I, I went on one of his workshops and, um, he said to me, I told him, you know, I really like your work, blah, blah, blah. And he said, oh, what do you do with your stuff? So I actually, I sell my work at, at markets. And straight away, he just looked me in the eye and said, you start at the markets, you die at the markets. Yeah. And I was like, that's, first of all, really rude because that's, exactly, <laughs> that's what I'm doing for a living right now. Yeah. And it was my yeah. living at the time. Yeah, and second of all, I couldn't have disagreed with him more because it, it got it got my stuff out to the masses um, quite well. I got quite a good following. I was doing um, mm. I was doing Red Hill Market. I was doing the uh, yeah. Flemington Racecourse Market, which I really yeah. enjoyed doing. Uh, and prior to that, when I lived up on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, I was doing the Yamundi Markets, which is probably yeah. one no, of Australia's huge, most it? famous markets. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I I loved it. And I loved the community of people that were at the markets as well. Until they went ahead and let in four other friggin' photographers, but that's another story. <laughs> Damn those photographers! Oh, the bastards! They saw they yeah. had this guy's making money. How do I do this? How do I yeah. get in on this act? You know, he's he's he started the market. He's going to die there. I want to yeah, do that's that. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah. so so the, the 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 hot take out of that is, you know, if you're if you've got some photography and you think. You want to start selling your work, and and no one can judge you but yourself. So, stand, you yeah. know, if you think your work's up to a standard where you can start selling it, go and get yeah. a little stall at a market. You yeah. can you can set it up for three or four hundred bucks these days. Um, yeah. You know, it's, get it's a, a def- few. It's definitely a lot more accessible than what it used to be. Hundred percent. Get a few prints yeah. going. Um, you know, chuck yeah. a few in some some cheaper frames and get get them out there. And you never know what it might lead to. It might become something that you might only do it every, every third or fourth Sunday or whenever the bloody market's on. But yeah. You're getting well, yourself think, out there. I think what you're saying is, just going back a couple of sentences there about talking to people in, in under the market. If anything, that I'm probably like in my past life, I, I did a bit of work in government, but I also I managed a couple of retail stores behind back and worked at retail with you in camera stores. I'm actually really excited about being able to talk to people in person to an actual human being, not on a message or not on a FaceTime. But talk to these human beings when they come in and they go, hey, that's a lovely shot. Hey, do you want to know where it was taken? Do you want to know what, what, what the story behind it is or whatever? I'm actually really excited, if anything, more so to be able to just talk to people about my work and Luke's work and have that conversation. Now, with that experience comes the skill of being able to sell people a print or you know whatever it might be. 
but the initial excitement for me will be if someone comes in and you hear it's a you know relatively small space or you know a couple of rooms big if they're talking about a print you can say hey that's my print I'm the photographer this is where it was taken you know blah 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 yeah and to me that's exciting because that is something that doesn't happen enough anymore no, you're exactly right, and 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 I think uh, my, from my experience at the market. So I, I started doing markets with my photography well before I got into retail, but one mm. thing led to the other. I mean, I, I I got I got good at I got good. How's I, don't know. I, I I did really well at speaking to to customers and potential customers. There there is still when you've got your own space or your own market store, there is a, there is still that thrill of the chase of getting mm. people to buy your work and and part with yeah. their hard earned for your stuff. Yeah. Of course, the photo does the talking first. Yeah, but there's also the, as you say, that that interaction with a human that is that is yeah. so cool, and it's really good. And 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 I know the, well, hopefully the experiences you get from your gallery will be a lot of that. You you yeah. you'll you'll talk for half an hour with a customer. They might not even buy anything, Cam, but yeah. you'll yeah. you know that it's that interaction, that engagement with your customer, and, and clearly they're going to be interested in photography. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I found. Uh, I found out pretty early days, and that is, generally speaking, you don't sell photographs to photographers. Um, generally speaking, unless you, unless you've got an absolute standout or an image that they've always wanted to get but could never get to that location, that sort of stuff, and they have that kind of emotional connection to it. But generally speaking, it's it's people who are you know holidaying or you know out and about for a weekend and that sort of particularly a place like Richmond. I mean that that's going to be yeah. that, you, it's going to be a buzz. You have struck on a really really good little town there so yeah you know and 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 you'll be able to um talk to people who are who might be out there looking for something for their walls and yeah that'll be awesome man yeah i'm, I'm, I'm like i said i'm super excited like like i said it's about talking to people and um you know even if it means you know even with my like same with my workshops you know if someone comes on the workshop you know it's, it's great that they're they're coming to, to spend time with me and learn stuff but the real thrill, thrill to me is not not the paycheck at the end. It's if, if they walk away with a passion for Tassie or a passion for Cradle Mountain or wherever we are. If they walk away with that little bit of a glint in their eye and a little bit of a, a kick up the bum and a buzz, then that that's worth its weight in gold. And that'll be the same with the galleries. That if people come in for a chat and they walk out and like, you know what, I'm going to go there. I'm going to I'm yeah. going to plan that and go there. Then yeah. awesome. You know, that's yeah, what and, a photo and, should and it'll be also doing. it'll also extend your reach, as you say, for your workshops yeah. because people who buy that's your right. work and be like, you know, I'm going to get into this. Well, I know who I'm going to talk to. Yeah, that's right. So, well, I'm, that's how that's how that's how Mark got onto us because he'd done a workshop with Luke before. There you go. So, yeah, perfect. There you go. Very cool. So, um, yeah, um, I'll just quickly plug it. It's going to be a soft opening, yep. October nine ten. Uh, we're hoping to probably do like a bit of an open day, maybe early November when the weather's a bit warmer. Um, so if you're in Tassie and you're in Richmond, uh, currently it's the Richmond Botanical Company. Um, it will be called the Tasmanian Photography Gallery once we get everything going. But still, still don't in. know how you come up with a name, mate. It's so clever. I know, so I know. clever. It's amazing. <laughs> we just better put Tasmanian stuff in there. <laughs> Walk in, it's the Ocean Grove Gallery. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, yeah there's, anyway, there's, thank there's you. Thank you for. In- yeah. <laughs> There you go. But uh, thank you. Um, and again, once again, a big, huge shout out to Mark who, who owns the house and, and the property and the, and the other shop. Um, without him, we can't do any of this. And he, he's gratefully given us this space. And um, well, once we you, hope to um, do it proud. Once you've got it off the ground, we'll, um, we'll put up some photos during the podcast and we'll spruik about it ever more, I'm yeah. sure, about your space. Sure and if you're listening yeah. um, and you are heading, if you're in Tasmania or you're heading to Tasmania, 
hopefully in the near future you'll be able to swing by Richmond I know I have been there before it's a beautiful little town from memory yeah. uh, it was 20 years ago that I was there but um, yeah. hopefully it'll be maybe one more year and I'll be there myself as well so yeah. hey let's yeah, do the podcast from the gallery one night well I might do another I might do an episode from there beautiful but if we both if we both could be there that'd be pretty cool it'd be awkward to not do this it would be soon. awkward being in the same room wouldn't yeah, it would I know. be so be like, what are you doing here? Yeah, would be. <laughs> yeah, let's. We'll put you out in another. Put you out in the car, and I'll go in the gallery. Well. Yeah, perfect. Uh, yeah. yeah, as long as we, we might have to use that bar that's that's there as well. Yeah, um, I think so. So, as per usual, the podcast has prattled on now for uh, over forty minutes. So, um, uh, as I mentioned at the top, we don't have a deer cam this week. So, if you've got anything photographic that you want to ask us, in particular, Cam Blake down there in Tasmania, send us a deer cam. Uh, yeah. at the links provided down below or however you want to send us that. Um, but we do have our first horror story. This is from a uh, photographic horror story. This is from Susan Rockcliffe. Uh, where, do, we, do we know where Susan is, Cam? Uh, Susan is located in northern Tasmania. I think it might be Devonport. Nice. Uh, she's a rock star of a person. She's a very funny lady, uh, loves her photography and uh, has joined me on a few little exercises. Nice, all right. Well, Susan says, my horror story is having to get my gear mended twice in 14 months. This is a good start. That sounds like Susan. (laughs) Firstly, I did not put my camera on my tripod properly and it fell off rolling down a rocky bank. Luckily, it was insured and it was fixed and returned. Well, geez, you know, not putting it. So you learned a lesson there. Um, Not putting your camera on your... You wouldn't do that again, would you? Uh, you wouldn't do it twice, surely not. Now, she she continues, I have a new Olympus OMD one EM1 Mark III, and recently a rogue gust of wind blew my tripod over, landing the camera on its back onto cement. The camera being so tough, it did not break, but the pro lens was damaged. It was sent off to get fixed, and when Olympus decided it was taking too long to get the parts, they sent me a new replacement lens for the price of the repair. Well... That's a that's a win. It's a big win, Susan, yeah. for um for getting that. But uh, is the, is how unlucky are that, you? Is, yeah, is the moral of that story just break your camera and get a new one for Olympus? It sounds like it. Be. Now, <clears throat> the, the mind boggles. A rogue gust of wind blew my tripod over. Now, if you've got an OMD EM1 Mark III and Pro lenses, she's a serious gust of wind that's blowing that thing over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we do get serious gusts of winds down here. The other day, we had 100, oh. almost 175 k's an hour on Mount Wellington. <laughs> it's like Cyclone 2 yeah. level. That is a rogue gust of wind right there. So, uh, and, and I like how the camera landed on cement. Yes. Like there's so much yes. cement out in those national parks. Just yeah, think. there is. <laughs> well, it's getting even more cement around the wilderness areas. Um, that's right. No, that's um, it's a lot of bad. And that's why tripods, you know, they're great. But if you don't have, I think we spoke about it last time. You know, having that little bit of weight in the middle center column to, yes. to weigh the tripod down, especially yes. if it's a bit windy or you're going to get a rogue gust of wind. Um, I remember I did a talk about horror stories. I did a workshop at Cradle once, and there was five people. This is a horror story. We'll, we'll fill in a couple of minutes here. We had five people, I think, and the first day, like the half day that there, we had one lady drop her camera in Dove Lake <laughs> off off the tripod, knocked it over. Um, we then went the next night. We came back to the the Peppers Lodge at Cradle Mountain. And it looked like it was on fire. They had like all these burning off going on the back hills, but hadn't told anyone. So it looked like the whole place was on fire. <laughs> there's 
Um, we then had a gentleman who had a Canon, would have been a 5D Mark II or three at the time. He put his tripod down next to another lady, but he put his tripod leg through the arm of her bag that was oh. on the ground. So she's gone up to move to a different spot, lifted the bag up. His camera did exactly what Susan's did and went backwards onto the path, smashed all the back screen. Oh. We, then had a, we then had another lady, the lady had moved her bag after he smashed his camera. Five minutes later, around the little, this little pond outside the lake there where they do fly fishing and stuff, I turned around, and by that time I was getting a bit nervous about everyone. I'm like, guys, you need to take care, and I don't have any time left to say it. I turn around, and she's up to her waist in the pond fishing out her Olympus that fell into the pond head first. <laughs> um, it was just a nightmare. And then, sadly, the, the whole tragic of the whole thing, another lady on the trip, um, she had a family member pass away uh, back on the mainland while we were there. And, Good God. Um, this is all in a four-day workshop, and it's just and it's like, Wow. So we had three broken cameras and a, a, a passing away um, within a space of four days. It, yeah, it was, that's uh, yeah. Okay. It was cra- it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so sort of so that, yeah. yeah. So put Sue's story to shame. Sorry, Sue, but yeah, come he, on, Susan. he trumped you, you immediately. If you've got a horror story, don't worry about trying to trump what Cam's just trump going me. about. But uh, Susan, yeah. if you if you want to send us your photographic uh, horror story. Uh, please do send it in the links below and a dear cam question as well. Now, um, did you, did I hear I was just right? Gonna say, was I going to give a book or something? Yes, you were. Yeah, okay. So, Susan, you're getting a book. You probably already got one, but you get another one. <laughs> give, it, give it up for Sue. Yeah. Sue gets a book. Um, yeah. So, or come to the come to the gallery and pick one up for free. That's now that's the way to do that's, it. See, that's that's cross promotion straight away, and you get someone yeah. else in through the door, mate. You are yeah. thinking already. I like it. Yeah, I've now, been taught by many a good many a good salesman. <laughs> um, um, did Did you tell me that you are um, heading off on a trek tomorrow? Is that right? Uh, no, to, well, I'm not. But, You're not. Uh, I, I'm not, but I'm doing all the logistics for it. So. Right. So we are recording tonight, Thursday night. I am leaving at three three thirty tomorrow morning to get up to Cradle Mountain. I have to pick up a group of. That's uh, when I went six... to bed after the grand final. Sorry, <laughs> I was going to say that's probably <laughs> after your third viewing. It. Um, so I'm heading up to Cradle Mountain tomorrow. There's a group uh, group of mine that that's my group, but not being guided by me. Uh, they're heading off on a six day overland track trip. Uh, they leave early tomorrow morning, so I got to go pick them up from Sheffield, run them up to Cradle Mountain. They're all geared up. They've got all their food, all their clothes, all their cameras. Uh, Felicity, who's my other guide, she's leading this one. And we've got another a young girl who's doing a bit of a, a wilderness experience as a guide. She's joining us as well. So so they head off Friday and they will get back uh, Wednesday next week. All things going to plan. Oh, how awesome is that? Yeah, it should be good. And yeah. the weather's looking... It's going to be damp, but um, this is actually an all-women's tour. So cool. um, Felicity... Felicity, does, she's a photographer in her own right. She does a lot of uh, portraits and boudoir and all those kind of crazy sort of cool portrait sort of yeah. shots. Um, and she's doing this as a bit of a woman's empowerment, you know, get yourself out into nature, put yourself through a bit of a challenge. And we have sold out close to six of these walks in the next 12, 15 months. Fantastic. Yeah, it's all, is that why you so, shaved your beard off? <laughs> the beard <laughs> you couldn't help yourself could you the beard came off accidentally tonight because it I was came off accidentally it. I was trying to trim it because it was getting a bit bushy and I put the shaver razor thing on the wrong setting so 
We are back yep. to bare minimum. Yep. Well, it'll so, grow back very quickly, I'm sure. It, it will. Yeah. Um, so. so that's what you've got coming up tomorrow. And, yeah. uh, of course, all the excitement building around your gallery, getting all that sorted out, I'm sure. Um, yeah. I haven't told Cameron this yet, but uh, we're having a break from the podcast next week because I am going to be away. Um, all right. Okay. I'm taking uh, while we can, <laughs> while we can. Yeah. I'm going to take uh, the the kids off on a, a few nights away. Uh, it's my boys, nice. my boys' thirteenth thirteenth birthday next week. So, right. Swan um, Hill. No, no, no. We're um, going to. Where, where can you go? We can we can go as a family group. We can go and get an Airbnb somewhere. So we're going to go head up to the Otway yeah. Ranges and we're going to get a little nice. Airbnb up there. So the camera will nice. come with. It's not all just going to be hanging out with the family. Is, is that the new camera? Could be. Could be depends on. Um, so, geez, the, the next podcast in two weeks' time is going to be. That's huge. why we need a break because we're going to have yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. That as well, but yeah, no, we're we're, we're heading off for uh, most yeah. of next week, so I'm looking forward I, to doing I'm, that. I'm going to trump you there. I, I we just booked a trip from Tassie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're going to Uluru. Fantastic. Uh, end of next, maybe. Well, we, we think we are. Yeah, um, I hope you are end, too. End, end of next month, we're going to fly to Adelaide and then drive up to Uluru. Brilliant. Um, and then maybe have a look at the Flinders Ranges on the way back. So, Are we, are we talking a, a camper van kind of set up here? Uh, no, it's probably going to be hotels the whole way. Yep. Um, so my wife, Lisa, she had some long service leave booked in and was originally going to, I was going to be doing the overland track and we're going to have another week off to do stuff. But I thought, hang on a sec, why don't we, we can go to South Australia. We can bypass Victoria. And Absolutely. So yeah, we've, we've booked that in to the end of October. I've never been to Uluru before. Ah, fantastic. Um, You're so yeah. Now, yeah. magnificent. I mean, you know, talk about iconic Australian yeah. landscape photography. So that'll be that'll yeah. be brilliant. So it looks like we're going to have. Unfortunately, uh, it can't go in the Tasmanian Photography Gallery because it's not Tasmanian. True. You could sneak it in there. Maybe people won't notice. Tell them it's the maybe, nut maybe, at Stanley. I was going to say, say people <laughs> say it's the nut at Stanley. So, but yeah, if, uh, if anyone's been to Uluru and got some tips on where to shoot from and. Um, you know any special places that I definitely need to check out while I'm up there? Please drop them in the comments because uh, yeah, I'm, I'm well, a virgin. I, I might have gone early. We I, we might be able to do the podcast next week, but just don't be surprised if you don't see one for a couple of weeks. But yeah, um, yeah that as I say, bit a bit of family time needed. Yeah, um, it's going to be good. Uh, so that's it for are the your podcast shop, are tonight. Your shop, are your, before we go, are your shops open? My shops are both open. Yes, so yeah, cool. we have Ocean Grove and Torquay back open, which was yeah which has sort of blown my mind a little bit because it's been so busy now. We're being back open again. We everyone piles in and we get a heap of work. And so hopefully, I know I said this last time, but hopefully we've been through our last lockdown in this region, but um, we will see. How about about this for a promotional idea for your shops, right? Yes. 57% off everything. I like it. I was thinking 57, 64, 21. There's lots of numbers you know, we can throw 21 around. probably works better for you. 2021. I'll, I'll, maybe I can use Max Gorn's number. 11% would uh, be 30. okay as well. <laughs> I thought he was 31. He was 37, and then he 37. went to 11. Bailey Fritch was 31, got himself six goals in the grand final. Look, that's enough. I'll have to put the logo yeah. back up. People will scroll. <laughs> we can't yeah. have it. Uh, thanks yeah. for indulging me tonight, Cam, and, and no giving worries. me some footy talk. again. Um, well done on your new venture as well. Um, Thank you. Look, really looking forward to seeing how all, how all that develops. And um, yeah. as I say, we'll share the journey with you. So yeah. uh, that's all from you tonight, is it? Uh, big shout out to our listeners and, and followers. Thank you. Um, make sure you share it around. Uh, we'd love to get more people listening. We've got, we got a great little crowd that listens, but the more the merrier. Um, but that's it for me. Congratulations to you again, Brendan. And 
Yeah. Am I wrapping the show up? Uh, no, you better do it. No, well, you, you, it's fine. Okay, I'll do it. Uh, thanks for joining in, everyone. We will see you for episode 17 either next week or the week after. Bye for now. Ciao. See you guys. It's a grand old flag, it's a high-flying flag, it's the emblem for me and for you. It's the emblem of the team we love, the team of the red and the blue. Every heart beats true for the red and the blue, and we sing this song to you. Should all acquaintance be Oh,